0: seeing, having revelation, having understanding, but not having warmth, not having fire, not having life. And that is what was happening to me in those five or six years. I had been swallowing doctrine after doctrine and teaching after teaching I was listening to cassette tapes by the hundreds. I was reading the latest book that came into the Christian bookstore. I was getting a lot of light, knowledge, but it wasn't life. It wasn't fire. It wasn't something that could sustain me. Well, when I got back from that convention center, um, I was a mess. I was completely undone. I, I had no idea what, what was going to happen to my life from, from then on. Because, you see, I had sold my business. I had left uh, Maryland where we lived. We had a beautiful uh, estate, beautiful house there. I had given it all up. To, be, to, to follow Jesus and to win souls. And we moved to Missouri, and somewhere along the way, I figured that God was going to uh, send me to the poor, uh, send me to Africa and, uh, and, and evangelize and bring people into the charismatic movement because I felt that that is really where things were happening. The worship there was much freer. Uh, and and a better quality of worship. I I believe, you know, in terms of all the different denominations and all the different movements, that expression that's in the earth today in which there is greater freedom to worship uh, freely, uh, in which some semblance of the Holy Spirit is allowed to to move, the charismatic movement at that time is where it was at. And uh, when I saw... From, from that particular thing down in Phoenix and I began to start studying some of the doctrines that were, that were involved in the charismatic expression that were unscriptural, I felt like God shut me completely down. I was stuck in Hermon, didn't have a church, didn't have uh, a, uh, a ministry uh, in, in terms of uh, being in the body of Christ. Um, I had nothing. And that's exactly where God wanted me. He wanted to bring me to absolutely nothing. I didn't know through those five or six years that uh, I had been basically poisoned. Uh, I know that's hard for some of you to understand, but uh, from my point of view and from what I've seen, what I was swallowing in those five or six years of going to church after church after church was not grace was not truth it was a a mixture of some truth and a whole lot of leaven and that leaven was killing me and I didn't know it what I began to do at that time since I had nothing else to do was study and listen to God and I spent hours and hours and hours studying church history, lexicons, concordances. I learned a little bit of Greek. I learned a little bit of Hebrew. I, I, I read books on manners and customs in the, in the, in the Jewish days. Um, I wanted to find out what had happened here in those five or six years. Why, why was I happier as an atheist than I was six years down the road as a Christian? One would think that as you mature uh, in the body of Christ that, that, uh, that you would become more spiritual, that uh, your joy would increase, that your love would increase, and yet just the opposite was happening. Well, I started studying church history and I saw the, the, the New Testament in a, in, a, in a completely different way. I saw that the, uh, the scriptures that talked about this great falling away, which I had been taught in the charismatic realm, that we were in that period where, where there was this great falling away and that the Antichrist was, was right upon us and very shortly the church would be raptured out of here. As I began to study the scriptures more carefully, these apostles didn't say that the great falling away was going to be 2,000 years down the road. These apostles said that the great falling away was happening in their day. John said it was the last hour. John said that there were many antichrists in his day. Paul said there were many false apostles and false prophets that were drawing disciples after themselves in his day. Paul said at the end of his life that all had forsaken him. So you see this great falling away. If you take a look at the time passages, look at them all. You'll find that that the context was then in their generation. And what had happened within a very short period of time, the church had fallen away from the pure gospel of Paul. Paul said, if any man preach another gospel other than mine, let him be accursed. And Paul's gospel of pure grace was very quickly um, destroyed by the Judaizers, by the Gnostics, and by other forces. By the time of 300 A.D., Constantine married the church to the Roman system. And so now we had a church system that was military, that was based on, on the Roman law, and, uh, and we had an abomination. We, you know, this, the, 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 the Jesus that says, love your neighbor, all of a sudden the church was killing its neighbor and killing anyone that disagreed with it. Within no time at all, we entered into the dark ages, 500-600 A.D. The Roman Catholic Church just plunged the Western world into utter darkness and into total ignorance. It got so bad that they banned people uh, reading the Bible. They, they mixed tradition and put tradition in, in, at the same uh, value as the Bible. Hundreds and hundreds of pagan traditions and rituals were incorporated into the church. And by the time we came to the Reformation, the church was in absolute utter darkness. And God began to raise up a handful of people that began to pull people toward a little bit of light. God raised up Martin Luther, and he began to preach that we live by faith and not by traditions and rituals and laws and customs. Raised up John Wesley, and, uh, who emphasized um, works in uh, evangelism, He raised up various different people. And each person that was raised up gave the world a little bit more light. But what ended up happening instead of moving on and growing is each person drew disciples after themselves. And so we had the Lutheran church. We had the Calvinistic church, the Presbyterians and Reformed we had the Wesleyan churches, we had the Anglican churches, we had denomination after denomination after denomination that followed the teachings of a man and they camped around the teachings of that man instead of grew, went on and removed more of the traditions of, of men and the doctrines of demons that the Catholic Church had incorporated into itself. So, as we as we leave the 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 uh, the Reformation, uh, each generation a little bit more light was added. The Wesley added some more light. Then we had it, we went into the Holiness movement. A little more light came in. Then the Pentecostal movement at the turn of the of the 19th century into the 20th century, Azusa Street, the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, began to come forth. Then we had the uh, the charismatic expression and uh, an and emphasis on on uh, heal on worship and healing came forth and and most recently we had things like the Reformation movement and the in the kingdom movement with an emphasis on uh, uh, biblical government where the the apostle and the prophet were uh, restored so each generation more and more light came in but what would happen is, his denominations would be formed around around that teaching, and around the people that that taught that, and they would set around that pole and move no further. The Holy Spirit will not sit in one camp. You know, in the Old Testament, Israel in the wilderness, when the when the when the cloud or the pillar of fire moved, if you didn't move with it, you were dead. And that's what has happened in the church. There are 30,000 different denominations and each of them have got hundreds of thousands or millions of people that, have, that are camping around the teachings of a dead man instead of moving on. What I eventually came to understand is that uh, the Holy Spirit won't let you camp anyplace. That if you camp... In any of those expressions, you will die. Yes, there's light there. Yes, there's understanding there. Yes, there's teaching there. But there's no fire. There's no life. On the horizon, right upon us, is going to be an expression that I hope and pray uh, will not turn into a camp. In that expression, this corporate expression, there will not be a mixture of law and grace. It will be pure grace. There will not be a Judeo-Christian ethics. That's an abomination. The Mosaic Law and the New Covenant cannot and should not be mixed. And I have not been in a single denomination so far of the 400 different churches that have not in some measure Mixed law and grace. In this new day, in this new expression, it'll be pure grace. And the law that we will abide by will be the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus. Not the Mosaic law. Not the American law. Not the Catholic canon law. It'll be the law of the life of the, of the law, of the spirit, of the life in Christ Jesus. In this new expression, there will not be this division between priesthood and laity. Every denomination that I was in created this, this structure of the platform ministry, the pastor and, uh, and the sheep regimented and seated in, in pews looking at an entertainment platform. This kind of worship expression, the the days of God visiting that in His by His Holy Spirit are over. God is not going to touch and God is not going to bless and honor that kind of an expression anymore. In this new expression, there will be no division between priesthood and lady. All people will 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 be the priesthood, and they will manifest that priesthood. They will not just um, be, be token priests uh, by, by word only. This new expression, there is going to be a, uh, a, a corporate priesthood in which the latest and the greatest in terms of corporate expression and manifesting the power of God, they will all come together. I'll explain more about what I mean by, by that in, in a little while. The woman in this new expression is going to be raised up to be equal with the man. In all of the expressions in the past, the woman has been a a, a second-class citizen. There are certain things that she can do, but there are many positions of authority that she's not allowed to attain. There are many things that she's not allowed to speak. In this new day, in this new expression, that is going to be over. The curse that the woman has been under is going to be broken. And women are going to be in, in leadership, Uh, and speak things by the Spirit and have authority that will be just as strong as any man. I'm really looking forward to that. My wife will, will say a little bit more about that at the end of this video. The image of God, his nature, his character, is going to greatly expand in this new expression. God is going to appear much more just than he has appeared in, in past expressions. He's going to uh, manifest a much greater love, much greater power. His wisdom is going to astound everybody. In this new expression, the very image and the very nature, the very character of God, is going to be, uh, he is going to be glorified and exalted Uh, Far greater than he has in any other movement before, including the Charismatic Movement, including the Pentecostal Movement. Congregations are going to be smaller. They're going to be family-centered. They're going to be home-centered. They're going to be relationship-centered. You're no longer going to get away with going into a place and sitting in a pew and the relationship that you have is looking at the back of your neighbor's head and and watching some people at a distance perform on a stage and then running away, leaving a few coins in the gold plate and uh, and feel content that you did your religious duty. In this new expression, that is gone. It will be relationship. Relationship. People will look at each other face to face in small groups of 20, 30, 40, 50, 100. And they're going to get to know each other and they're going to become accountable to each other. In this new expression, there's going to be a name change. The word church is going to go into disfavor. Words like assembly, congregation, fellowship, these kind of words are going to be used to Describe these kind of fellowships that I'm talking about. The reason why the word church is going to go into disfavor is because the scholarship will let people know where that word church comes from. It does not come from the Greek word ekklesia, as you've probably been taught in Sunday school and seminary. The word church is a direct uh, descendant, uh, etymologically, of the Greek word kirke, in Anglo-Saxon, it's the word Circe, and she was a mythological character in the Greek uh, mythology, who was the daughter of the sun god, who was banished to the island of Aea, and uh, <laughs> she had the power to turn men into animals. And if you look at church history for the last 2,000 years, as as many intellects and people who who don't want anything to do with church but who have studied church history will vouch for you that uh, that the church has indeed turned many men and women into animals when you look at the Inquisition and the programs and the crusades you look at European history when you look at the Salem witch trials uh, we're going to discover that the that the history of the church has not been a very pretty picture. In this new expression, giving is going to change. It's going to be free will. People are going to really gladly give and not say with their mouth that they are giving with joy, when in, if they're honest with themselves, they really are not. They're giving because they've been uh, extorted to, you know, to give. The tithe is going to uh, disappear because good uh, material is going to expose the fact that the tithe, 10% of income, doesn't exist in the Bible from cover to cover. From Genesis to to Revelation, the idea of 10% of your income to give it to a pastor isn't found in the Bible. For those of you that are interested in that, uh, write me. I have a booklet called The Tithe is Illegal. I'd be more than happy to send it to you. Where the funds... Of the of the body of Christ go are going to dramatically change. In the past, ninety percent of the of the income has gone into bricks and mortar and steeples and stained glass and padded pews and carpets and parking lots and oh yes, lots of salaries. That's going to change. The ninety percent to uh, administrative costs and 10% to the poor and outreach is going to be flip-flopped and 80% of the funds that come in are going to go into outreach and into helping the poor and 20% or something like that will go into administrative costs and salaries. There's nothing wrong with salaried paid people. The Bible Bible talks about... uh, those who are in, and elders uh, give them double honor. And that word honor, you know, has to do with, with, with salaries. There's nothing wrong with, with you know, paid people in, if, they're, if they're evangelizing and planting churches and those kind of things. But the 90 10 is going to flip flop to 80 20. The emphasis is going to be smaller. It's not going to be building-oriented. It's going to be living stone-oriented. This uh, expression is going to realize that the true ecclesia is when we come together, one living stone and another, you know, 15, 20 living stones coming together to exalt the name of Jesus, that that is... The ecclesia—that that is the called-out ones, those who are called out by the Holy Spirit to come together, to worship and to pray, and to intercede for mankind—that that is indeed the real ecclesia, and what we really should be all about. And we're going to become about that more than uh, building buildings, and uh, retreats and campsites, and and all of those kind of things that require billions of dollars. In the 1970s, the church, the American church, had over a trillion dollars worth of stocks and bonds and real estate. And at that time, the American church could have eliminated poverty in the entire world just by the interest on the mortgage of its properties. That was in 1970. Today, God knows what it uh, what it could do. The Bible thumper, the pulpit, the preacher, he's going to disappear. He's not going to be able to get away with using worship, three or four songs, or in the charismatic expression, maybe 30, 40 minutes of, 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 uh, of nice worship to pump the people up so that he can do his half hour or hour sermon that's going and instead of that half hour or hour sermon the body is going to come together the Holy Spirit is going to sit on the entire congregation and that word will come from the least it will come out of the body it will not come out of someone behind a pulpit I'll talk about that a little bit more in a little while In order for this to come about, and I firmly believe that it's right at the door, that it's right upon us, the people who right now are, are listening to this video and, and, and their heart is saying, yes, this sounds right, yes, this is what I'm hungry for, they're going to have to come to more of a place of doing business with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, and to allow Him to strip us of a lot of traditions of men and doctrines of demons that we've swallowed in the charismatic expression in the Pentecostal expression in the Reformation expression in the social works expression in the Catholic Orthodox expression we've swallowed tons of, of a mixture of law and grace which has produced a Pharisaicism in us which produ- has produced a self-righteousness in us and it has utterly blinded us. That's the, the, where I, I came to uh, 12 years ago when, when, when God <laughs> destroyed me. Uh, he showed me that what I had swallowed for the last five, six years led to, I, 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 I swallowed enough leaven to become blind, to become a Pharisee, and not even know it. And you know the last person that knows that they're a Pharisee is a Pharisee. And I want to tell you something in those movements where they feel that they have the greatest freedom of the Holy Spirit, they are in the most danger of being Pharisees and not even know it. I was generally most of the time in cutting-edge charismatic churches where there was a freedom where there appeared to be a freedom in true worship. But there wasn't a total freedom. The, the Holy Spirit was just allowed to move just enough to make the environment right for the preacher to do his thing. The Holy Spirit was not free to manifest himself in fire and to totally take over the con- congregation and to consume it completely. I was in a church... Oh, about that same time, about you know, 12 years ago, in a church down in Springfield, Missouri, that uh, that I really had a tremendous respect for the teaching that came from that church. The person who headed that church, the Lord used him to bring a, a, a new, uh, to restore something that that had you know, that, that had fallen away at the early part of the church history, and it affected the entire world. And uh, and I went there to. Uh, to learn and in the middle of, uh, of one of the, the services there was a really nice worship time and, uh, and all of a sudden I, I had this sense that the glory cloud of God was going to come and sweep the congregation in and I was standing I wasn't sure whether to just sit down because I knew that what, what I sensed coming from the back of that room that I was not going to be able to stand I had read about you know, some of these powerful expressions where the Holy Spirit just swept in an entire congregation. People were on the floor for hours, unable to get up. And I thought that this is going to be something that, that I was about to experience. And just before I felt like we were all going to be swept into this thing, one of the elders got up, went to the podium, grabbed the microphone, and said, hurry up, everybody. The Holy Spirit is here. And uh, if you want a healing uh, or a miracle, hurry up, come, come on up. You're going to get it. Just Just hurry up. And as he's saying that and, and offering up this strange fire, if you hear what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit retreated and nothing happened. That is what happens in a lot of charismatic churches. The Holy Spirit is used. Um, a little bit of fire is allowed to come in but he can't swallow in the congregation, the leadership cuts it short. And I've seen this again and again and again in charismatic expressions. This thing is going to focus on what I call the four W's, the work of God, the will of God, the way of God. I'm missing one here, aren't I? The word, the work, the way, and the will of God. It's going to focus on those four things. We're not going to produce in this new expression, uh, religious works, building a man's kingdom, building a huge church of 10, 30,000 people with one man at the head of it. And, and, and the whole expression is his kingdom. That's not what this thing is all about. The work of that's going to come forth from these little expressions will be the works of the Holy Spirit prepared from the foundation of the world that we should walk in. The will that will be that will come from these little expressions will not be uh, man's will, will not be some man's vision, it will be the will of God. And. And in almost every church that I have been in, I don't know a single pastor that I have run into in a traditional Pentecostal, charismatic, reformed, born again, fundamentalist church. I haven't been in a single one that can tell me what the Bible says, plainly, what the will of God is. This expression will be all about the way of God, that street of gold in the book of Revelation. It will become a reality and we will become a holy people. We will not be trapped in legalism and we will not be trapped by licentiousness. We will walk a straight walk, a gold, a golden walk. What else have we got? The words, the work, the will, the words, the words. <laughs> in these little expressions, the very word of God is going to come out of the least. The very word of God is going to come out of a corporate expression, not a pastor behind a pew, not a worship leader. It will come from the entire congregation. In recent uh, days, the Lord has given me some pictures, visions of what i see is going to happen in this in this new expression in this new day i saw a piano one time a piano is uh, is something that you know it's got 88 keys and uh, and a good one will have keys that are perfectly balanced perfectly weighted when people in this expression that i'm talking about will come together to worship the Father in spirit and in truth and to produce life, living words. The worship is going to prepare the body to, to come to rest. The, 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 the songs, and, and, and the, whether it's from a guitar, whether it's from a group of musicians, or whether it comes from a CD, the purpose of that worship, the purpose of the singing, is to bring the congregation to the place of emptying itself from sin, emptying itself from the cares of this world and the ruts of this world, and bringing the the soul to rest, bringing the entire corporate corporate, uh, membership to the peace that passes all understanding. That's what the, the worship and the music is all about. So we come to the place of getting rid of our yuck, emptying ourselves out, making room for the Holy Spirit to come in. And then we come to the place where there is that 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 peace that passes all understanding and we wait on the Lord. So here we have this piano that's perfectly weighted. We're no longer uh, interested in paying attention to the things of this world. We are in perfect rest, and we are waited and waiting on God. And then the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and the glory of the Holy Spirit comes upon that congregation. And the Holy Spirit plays a song, a new song, through the entire body. Picture the whole body as a a piano. And the Holy Spirit taps one person on the shoulder or on the head and out comes an utterance, a prophetic word. Someone else has a word of knowledge. Someone else has a miracle. Someone else has a hymn. Someone else has a psalm. Someone else has an exhortation. Someone else just has a hug. Someone else has, uh, uh, feels that a particular person has a need and gives freely. So you know, here, here we have a piano that is played by the Holy Spirit. That's one idea that the Holy Spirit has shown me, that, that this new expression, what it's going to look like. I was in a corporate uh, worship uh, service one time, and I uh, i was there early. It was a convention type of a thing, and there was a band that was playing, and they were warming up, and there were a handful of people there, and uh, and they were participating with this song that they were practicing. and I